great and mighty God, the God who made the heavens and the earth, thank you that you have sent your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ to be the propitiation for our sins. And thank you that, that Christ has bought the church with his precious blood. And thank you that, uh, that, uh, that uh, we, as we are one with one another as the Father is one with the Son. And thank you that Christ Jesus has reconciled us back to you. And this evening, Lord, as we study your word, may you indeed uplift our souls. Strengthen us, Lord, that uh, your truth may be uh, deeply entrenched in us. Uh, we pray that we may bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Forgive us, Lord, for all our sins, for we know that we sin against you every day. Cleanse us from every unrighteousness and lead us, Lord, in your path of righteousness for your name's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we hope to um, cover the Baptist Confession of Faith again um, um, in, our, in our Friday fellowship. And uh, uh, this evening I'd like us to look at the introduction to this wonderful uh, confession of faith and uh, I hope that uh, as we go through it it will be helpful for us again and this evening I like us I like to answer two questions why do we use the confession of faith I trust we are together I like us to answer two questions why do we use the confession of faith? And what is the Baptist confession of faith? Most of us who are not raised with a confession of faith, um, if, if you're raised in a typical Protestant church, you'll hardly come across words such as confession, creeds, catechism, isn't it? Uh, such ideas did not even cross your mind. Uh, so the question that confronts us, are they biblical? There are people who say that they are not biblical, that the confessions undermine the authority of God's word. They cry and say, no creed by the Bible, isn't it? That I believe in the Bible and the Bible alone, there's no need of a creed, there's no need of a confession, there's no need of a catechism. Yes, the Bible is the final authority in matters of faith and practice. And um, when you encounter cults, the, such as the Jehovah Witness, uh, the Mormons, they'll say what? They say the Bible is the final authority, isn't it? The Bible is the final authority of faith and practice. And so it's not as simple as saying the Bible is the final authority. In order to defend the truth of the Bible, we must define the truth of the Bible. That's why the confession then is very important. We, not, we need to know what we believe in so that when you're joining our church, we explain to you the statement of our faith, what we believe in, what we subscribe to. And, and if someone does not believe in those things, then they cannot be a member of our church, isn't it? We, we cannot hold the same truth with them. And so the confession is useful. Uh, we are not saying that it is indispensable. We are not saying it is infallible, but it is, it is very necessary. Uh, let me give you an example of a heretic called Arias. 
And this person taught that, taught something that if people believed, they could not be saved. Arias taught that while Jesus was fully man, he was not fully God. And um, he led so many people astray. And, um, and it was hard to nail down this person simply because when he was asked whether Jesus was God, he said that, yes, I believe Jesus is God, but not in the same way that you believe. So how do you nail down such a person? They, they, don't, they don't entirely refute the Godhead of Christ, but they say that I believe in, that Jesus Christ is God, but not in the same way that you believe. So you could say, uh, um, so, so, so cults such as the Jehovah Witness will be very happy with such a person, isn't it? They believe that Jesus Christ is God, but with a small g. Um, and so you need to have a creed. You need to have a confession. You need to have uh, a catechism. And that's why, we had, that's why we have the Nicene Creed, which was to counter uh, such error. Um, you see, they are very helpful in the church to defend and define the truth. Uh, if you turn to First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3. Someone could read from verse 14 to, to 16. So the Bible makes it clear to us that the church is the pillar and buttress of truth. What does it mean that the church is the pillar and buttress of truth? that the church is the pillar and buttress of truth. Saints gather together, like they are being united there, mm-hmm. and um, now the word, mm-hmm. the word of God, is being proclaimed yeah. there. Mm-hmm. 
What does it mean that the church is the pillar and buttress of truth? Is a is like a is like a could call call it a it's a pillar that is on the side that uh, keeps the wall from falling down. Okay. Okay. So it's like holes. Holes. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in in the same light, then the church is the one that is to um, to uphold really. <laughs> Truth of God mm-hmm. in His Word. Yes. Um, so it, 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 it's appealing in that sense that right. its purpose is to ensure that God's Word, God's truth is mm-hmm. upheld yeah. in His Word. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the pillar and batteries are construction terms, isn't it? And they are for support and to defend. And what you're saying when you talk about the church being the pillar and the batteries of truth, the church is to uphold, is to proclaim the truth as well as to defend it. Okay. So the church, the foundation upon which truth sits is in the church. If you want to find the truth, it should be in the church. Uh, elders uh, are commanded in Titus 1.9, they must hold fast to the truth that has been taught. They should be able to communicate with sound doctrine. The elders must be able to understand truth. They must be able to refute truth. Um, in Jude 3, you have the, that passage that the apostles... Um, let's read Jude 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And so, so the, the truth that was delivered to the church by the saints, by the apostolic writings, are to be what? Are to be defended, isn't it? Are to be held fast. Um, so the Bible, as, as we begin this uh, introduction to the confession, I want you to understand also that that... The Bible is full of summaries, isn't it? Um, if you want to understand the law of God, which books do you read? Yes. Yes, the first five books of the Bible, isn't it? The, the Pentateuch. So, the law of God is summarized for us in the first five books. They are further summarized to us where? In the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so the Bible is full of truth. And, um, and, and even in the New Testament, Paul makes reference to what is called faithful sayings. Uh, th- this was Jewish tradition where rabbis handed over sayings from one generation to another. And so what is the confession of faith? So there are two words we need to distinguish, first of all, a creed 
and a confession. What do you think is the difference between a creed and a confession? I know we haven't taught or anything, but you've come across those words. Have you sought to understand the distinction between a creed and a confession, like the Apostles' Creed and a confession of faith, Baptist confession of faith? What's the difference between those, those two? So I'll say a creed is a short summary statement of essential beliefs. It's a short summary of statements. So you have the Apostles' Creed, and it has only 96 words. And those 96 words represent essential truths. And so you have the Nicene Creed, which is also relatively short. So that every statement, every sentence draws out an essential doctrine. Of the Christian faith. A confession, on the other hand, is a bit extensive, isn't it? It's a bit wider and broader than, than, than a creed, isn't it? And so you have the, the, the creed summarizing the essential beliefs of the faith, and, and, and if you deny those essentials of faith, then you're not in the faith. If you deny the essential truths in the creed, isn't it? You're not in the faith. But when you talk about the confession, these are summaries of biblical truth. And these truths are drawn up by groups of churches. Sometimes there were 100 churches, 150 churches, sometimes across many countries. And the purpose was to refute error, to summarize and to clarify doctrinal truth. In other words, confessions are attempts by the church to explain what the Bible means, isn't it? Uh, I've given you the example of Arias. Um, um, so that when you don't have the confession in what he claimed that Jesus is God, but he's not God in the way that you define it, isn't it? So, so how do you pin down such a, such a claim, isn't it? You have to have a confession to clarify, isn't it? To define the truth and to refute error. Um, so confessions are these summarized doctrinal truths. When they are very brief, they are called creeds. Uh, you have the Apostle Creed. I read the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the small sea, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. How about the catechism? What's the difference between the catechism and the, uh, and, uh, the creeds? And the, and the confession. Where is the catechism? Is 
which also taught, meant to teach those um, elements of things that we are doing, but it's in, it's in a question answer. That's true. Format. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Th th think of the question what is the chief end of man? What's the chief end of man? Isn't it? Th think, think of the usefulness of such a question that you're asked to ponder what is my purpose in this life? Why am I here? Isn't it? You're here to do what? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Um, and so it's a summary of all, of all of them are summary of biblical truth and uh, it's something that everyone can learn and it has many, many uses. Uh, today, more, modern creeds are called doctrinal basis, isn't it? Or statements of faith. Uh, it's, it's what a particular denomination believes in, a local church believes in, isn't it? Uh, you believe in the authority of, of, of the Holy Scriptures, you believe in the Trinity, you believe in the depravity of human nature. Uh, those are summary of biblical truth um, in, 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 in a modern way. So, so confession, a bit of history, began to emerge during the time of Reformation, and they were often associated with countries where they come from. So you have the Baptist Confession of Faith. It's called the London Baptist Confession of Faith. And so they define distinctive doctrines and deny those doctrines um, uh, that are erroneous or heretical. And so this, this, these confessions are distinctive in the sense that um, they refer to a particular group of people. So if, if the Baptist confession of faith, it's linked to who? It's linked to the Baptist, isn't it? If it is the Westminster confession of faith, it's linked to who? Presbyterians, Presbyterians isn't it? And so, 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 so these confessions... Um, they have linked to the word of God. They don't stand in isolation from the word of God. On the other hand, they, 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 they subscribe to the doctrine of the word of God. So, <clears throat> First Timothy 3.16, it says, the passage that uh, we read, verse 16 says, Great indeed, we confess is the mystery of godliness. It was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So Paul is saying by common confession, isn't it? We confess. We have a confession, isn't it? We have common confession among the saints in the early church. And he's saying, Paul is saying, Every Christian must know this, isn't it? He must know that Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh. He must know that Jesus Christ was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Um, you have Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, if you could turn there. Most scholars in the most scholars of the New Testament believe that this was a common hymn that uh, that was used to convey the confession of the early church. 
1 Colossians 1:15 to 20 he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him you can read all that to verse 20 um, and so you have Philippians 2 6 to 11 you can look at that and uh, the point is in this Bible there is a confession of faith isn't it the, the, there were sayings faithful sayings isn't it there were things that people subscribed to as believers in Jesus Christ there are things that believers share together things that we declare together things that we believe together isn't it and so the idea of a common confession is woven in the scripture itself um, and so what will you respond to how will you respond to people who say that we do not need confessions I know we've already covered it but how will you respond to them that the Bible is the final authority how will you respond to them tell them that it's inevitable to have a con- confession. Mm. There's no there's no there's no one who is religious who lacks a confession. Mm. Everyone has a confession. Mm. Um, and they do because they believe something about their religion. If they are a Christian, they believe something about Jesus, they believe something about the Bible. Mm. They believe something about God and whether it's written or not written, it's, it's there. Uh, once you say anything about Jesus Christ or the church, you you have a confession. Um, yeah. yeah. So to say that uh, we have no creed but the Bible is tantamount to being it's either ignorant, ignorance or hypocrisy. Mm. Um, ignorance because one may not be knowing what they're saying, mm. 
hypocrisy because they they think themselves superior mm-hmm. like the Pharisees. Yeah. It's it's often the mantra of the cults to say that um no creed by the Bible, isn't it? Um and and uh, as Fasi is rightly saying, there are, there are no creedless people. There, there are no confessionless people. There's always something that you believe in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the first importance of the confession, confession helps to define the church, to, sorry, to defend the church against the incursion of error. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy to guard the pattern of sound words that have been entrusted to him. And he's told to do what? To entrust it to who? To only faithful people, isn't it? Faithful men, not to everyone. Uh, and so the confession helps us to defend ourselves against the incursion of false teachers. And one of the ways that um, we are able to maintain the integrity of the truth is to do what? to put it in a confession. If the confession was not there, think of it this way, if the confession was not there, then people will interpret the Bible in their own way, isn't it? Isn't it? You just have all kinds of interpretation. Isn't it? And, and someone will claim this is the right interpretation. Uh, but when you have the, 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 the confession which clarifies the truth, which defines what the truth is, isn't it? It helps us against the error of false teaching. Um, the confessions are a source of teaching. Um, if 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 um, if you've been raised like I've been raised in a Roman Catholic home, and I was catechized, isn't it? I was taught <laughs> the doctrines of the Roman Catholics. And so it's a form of teaching, it's a form of instruction. Um, uh, catechism involves questions and answers, and uh, the confession are statements of biblical truth. And so they are a teaching tool, and they are very important. Um, they're also important in systematizing the Word of God. Um, the, the, what the confession does is to summarize, isn't it? To summarize what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about, um, um, for instance, what does the Bible say about the Word of God? You see that in the beginning, it says the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. And it goes on talking about the Word of God in the first. 10 paragraphs of chapter 1. And so it does put it in a systematic way. It does summarize it. Um, uh, the, the confession also, the, another aspect, it was developed to demonstrate the unity of the faith to the world. Um, so, so that the unity of the faith that we have as believers is not only tied to us in this room, it's not tied to all the believers in this world, but it's tied also to the believers who have gone before us, isn't it? Yeah. So, so that these truths bind us together, both in the present and both uh, the believers who have gone before us. And so it's really important that the faith that we pre- profess today is the same faith 
that can be traced back to who? To the apostles, isn't it? Uh, that whatever you believe in, you can look back all the way through church history as the same truth that was preached by Jesus Christ. And so, uh, the confession does help in that. Um, So when you say that uh, we subscribe to the Baptist Confession of Faith, you know that it goes back, isn't it? It goes back to 1689, isn't it? And it goes back beyond 1689, isn't it? It goes back to the Bible. Um, and so we, we are adhering to the same faith that was once and for all delivered for us. Um, another aspect that is important has to do with the confession is that it was developed to establish doctrinal stability. It was developed so that we are no longer tossed to and fro, as Ephesians says, by every wind of doctrine, isn't it? So, so it, it does provide stability. Even today, in an age when, where we are bombarded with all kinds of truths, isn't it? You come ac across a teaching and you tell yourself, what does the confession say, isn't it? Um... um um, I, I know I know when I know we can have argument about the word of God uh, but it should not be said that the confession is the first place we run to isn't it? It's ultimately the word of God isn't it? But when we say we are looking at the confession we are looking at it in the sense that it clarifies and it summarizes what the word of God says. And so Another aspect, they clarify doctrinal statements and distinctives. Um, uh, before you come into our membership, we give you a constitution, we give you a statement of faith, you have the opportunity to ask questions, um, and uh, we ask you whether you understand what you've read, whether you believe those doctrinal convictions, isn't it? So that we want you to, 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 be dis to have distinctives. Um, Want you to understand the word of God with that clarity, um, and so the confession of faith puts forth truth in a place where we can see, uh, in a very direct, in a very concise way. Um, also, the confession of faith helps to maintain the doctrinal health of the church, so that um, when you don't have a confession, your church is not immune to false doctrine, to false teaching, isn't it? So that the confession is very, very important. What's the relationship between the confession and the Bible? We've spoken of it a bit, but uh, what kind of relationship does the confession have with the Word of God? to explain the doctrinal matters that uh, that are there in the scripture yes and so um, if I think that the confession tries to uh, faithfully ex expound mm -hmm. on these doctrines that are being uh, expressed in the scripture yeah yes yes 
agree they are not in competition with one another. The confession articulates what the Bible says. Um, so, a bit of history. <clears throat> in 1640, a group of men got together over a period of four years and they were known as the Westminster Assembly. They, they met in Westminster Abbey freely because during that time it was during the reign of Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell. And as they met, the product of their meeting was the Westminster Confession of Faith. The Westminster Directory for Worship, the Westminster Larger Catechism, and the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And so the Westminster, as you've read, has links to this Baptist Confession of Faith, isn't it? Um, in 1646, that document was introduced and it ended up shaping the Puritan movement in England and um, it was particularly linked to the Presbyterians. And as a matter of fact, we believe they got some things wrong. And what happened was there was a group of Congregationalists led by John Owen, Thomas Goodwin, among others. They sought to improve the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, and in 1658, they took the Westminster Confession of Faith and revised it. And uh, they made another copy of the, of the declaration. Uh, they improved on the area of church government, but there were things that were still left to be desired. So a group of Baptist pastors, um, and um, they got together in 1677, and, um, but things had changed. Cromwell was no longer in, 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 in charge, he was on the ground. And Charles II was ruling England and Scotland. And these Baptist pastors got together to improve the Westminster Confession of Faith and came up with the Second London Confession of Faith. You know that the First London Confession of Faith came out in 1644. And the First London Confession of Faith is nothing like this document in any shape or form. So the second London Baptist Confession of Faith could not be published in 1677 because it was against the law. So something happened historically in 1689 and uh, they were allowed to, to, to publish it after the glorious revolution by William and Mary that gave people religious liberty. And so 1689, um, it was put to print and we have the Baptist Confession of Faith. And so this document reflects the Reformation teaching on the doctrine of God, about the nature of sin, supremacy of Christ, nature of grace, the work of God, the person of Jesus Christ. Um, this confession also is distinct in the sense that it is Baptistic, isn't it? Um, what do you think is the difference between this confession and the Westminster Confession? What are the differences that we that, that mark us as distinct denomination? Church government, yes. Baptism. Yes, church ordinances. Anything else? There's one more thing, the relationship between the state and the church. So those three elements distinguish the Baptist from the Westminster 
confession of faith. And so it's an improved document, isn't it? Um, and we use it because it is an accurate reflection of the teaching of the word of God and it holds dear to the teaching of God's word. So that our understanding of church government is not like the Presbyterian understanding. Is it? Um, the issue of baptism, we believe that baptism is not for all people. Baptism is only for those who are regenerate by the Holy Spirit. Children are not to be baptized. We only baptize those who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? We also believe in the autonomy of the local church. Those are the tenets of the Baptist movement. That the church has no hierarchy. That the church has no senate. The church has no presbyter. Each church is independent church under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so, um, we are not saying that we are perfect, but what we are saying is the Baptist confession of faith is closer to the word of God than any other confession. Isn't it? Um, um, any question, comment? That's very true. Um, you, you look at um, websites of churches and they have a statement of faith and you may, you may think that uh, you agree with them in everything, isn't it? Until you visit that church. 
And uh, yeah, they say we believe in, the, in, in, in God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, or God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe all those doctrinal truths are there in their church website. Uh, but you reach there, what is taught is not what they believe in, isn't it? Um, I agree with you that uh, it's, it's, it's not simply saying this is what we believe. Um, this truth should be in our heart. Uh, that are we, they're, they're embedded in our lives as well. Yeah. I don't know whether it's a, <coughs> you tell me the Presbyterian and the Baptist mm. would have a confession because uh, when you go to the other churches, mm. when you take the confession of faith, mm. if it's integrated in Mm. If we don't have a, a separate, you call it a separate book or mm. a separate teaching. Okay. But whatever the teachings that they and the truth that they hold, mm. it is being done in the in form of catechism, mm. not as the confession in the Baptist and the Presbyterian. Yeah. Yeah. So so you. So you have, I think, an example like AIC. AIC is a good example, isn't it? They have catechism for children. And that, um, I don't know how they go about it after they catechize children. Maybe you could tell us. Like after you've gone through the catechism, do they like proclaim you as a believer? Do you become a member of a church? Like what happens? Like, uh, they like there are stages. Okay. Stage one, this is what you have been taught. Mm. After you finish, you go to another level mm. with a different kind of teaching. And another level. Mm. So when you finish the three stages now, mm. it's like you become a member now. Okay. Into the church. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But you do not have a separate confession. Mm. All the truth about the, what the church believes in mm. is in the catechism. Okay. Mm. I think the I think what uh, Pacifican by by doing by explaining that we have creeds, confessions, and catechisms deals with that. That you have others who say that they believe in the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. Then you have others who will say all that we believe in is granted in this particular catechism, and then you have others who say that all that we believe in is given in this confession for example mm. so that what the way that you know how people or what people believe uh, especially for the uh, churches in history mm. is that they gave creeds confessions and catechisms mm. so i think the aic denomination decided to go the catechism route. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you find people like the, the the Anglicans don't have a catechism per se, but they have what they call the 39 articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the, the truth that they believe in is stated. If you read J.C. Riley now, you'll hear him talking about a prayer book, for example, mm. uh, which is where again they have some of their truths 
laid down. But basically, the way churches have sought to communicate the truth as mm. they see it in God's word mm. is through creeds, confessions, and catechisms. Yeah. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Do you think um, the confession is important in our appointing of leaders in our church? In appointing elders and deacons, do you think the confession is important? Bye bye. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you talked about uh, the difference between the pres- presbyter mm. and like you differ from mm. uh, the presbyt- presbyterians. Yes. Yeah, and so uh, it helps us to. Uh, really depict that from the word of God and mm-hmm. apply it to uh, the way we do it in the church mm-hmm. say that we do not uh, have this uh, we do not see the ranks that uh, the churches today have mm-hmm. like uh, we have maybe bishop and bishop and the confession really helps us to view it rightly from the word of God and instead we believe in the scripture is saying this mm. and we hold to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Do you think do you think the confession is important in our appointing of leaders in our church? Yeah. It's us because Part of the confession give us on how we or to elect leaders or to choose leaders into office, and it has even the scripture of support mm. on how we go to select leaders into office. Mm. Yeah, and and I think that's, that's very important because like and like just selecting leaders mm. randomly without the consideration of. What are some of the qualifications that that is that we need to look at before mm. electing someone into office? Yeah. Mm. I think also a confession is important, especially when it addresses the doctrine of scripture. Mm. Um, because there are people who believe that they are beautiful, mm. but they believe certain portions of scriptures are erroneous or yes. it was policy. Paul was talking to a particular church. Mm. So you see how you view scriptures mm. is important. Mm. Uh, especially when you're now talking about the matter of church leadership. Mm. Uh, people oppose, for example, the idea of appointing women as pastors mm. because they believe they have a wrong view of inerrancy mm. of scripture. Yeah. Right? Mm. So the confession is important because it speaks to what you believe mm. of the scriptures. Mm. Therefore, then, mm. what those portions that I'm talking about mm. leadership and, mm. and the quality that you should have, mm. it speaks directly to, to that. Mm. Uh, we once talked to, I think, you were Martha and my wife. Mm. During the conference, we talked to an Anglican, Anglican pastor mm. who believed that Paul was speaking in Shrine, and that's not scripture. Mm. So, you see how that is a problem. Mm. 
because immediately we, we told him that he had phone boxes, the first thing he said was, there are people who do not allow women pastor, <laughs> as if that's the only thing we believe. Mm. But he really had a skewed view of scripture, yeah. which then dictated what he believes yeah. the Bible talks about. Mm. Also, we have the leaders, those who are elected into office, mm. on how they will lead the church. Yeah. Because if they don't have a confession, then there are chances that the church can be even lead to error. Yeah. Yeah. That having a confession left in that stand where the church will stand. Mm. Okay. So when you have a leader who you do not know their position about spiritual gifts, about issues of whether women can become pastors. Um, um, it, um, it, you see, you see, you can ask people questions. Do you believe in the Bible? Yes. Do you believe in God? They can ask people general questions, and they can say, "Yes, I believe them." Isn't it? But when you come to the confession, the confession doesn't say simply. Uh, I believe in God the Father, like the creed, it goes on further to define those truths, isn't it? So that when, when we ask you, do you subscribe to the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, and you say yes, we know that you subscribe to truths that have already been explained and scripture being, uh, being given as cross-references there, isn't it? So you're subscribing to something more than just a creed, isn't it? People can say, um, we, are, we, are, we are appointing you because you believe in the Bible. But we know that's not sufficient, isn't it? They can interpret the Bible in their own way, isn't it? They can have their own truth. But when it comes to the confession, there is clarity, isn't it? Things have been clarified even more. Things are more direct. Things are more clear. Um, um, yeah, so, so, so it should be said also that the confession is not sufficient in the sense that as much as it teaches us about the truth of God's word, it doesn't speak about everything that's there in the word of God, isn't it? There are things such as issues of the day, uh, things like, um, I'm not sure the homosexuality is covered, things like transgender, modern issues as well, um, that are not there in the confession, isn't it? So, so that's why the Bible is Sufficient. It covers. Uh, it is. It is the sole authority as regards to all matters of faith and practice. Yeah. So the confession is fallible. It's written by men. The word of God is infallible. Anything else you'd like to add or ask? Perhaps the best way to think of confession is that you have men who have searched the scriptures and believe a certain thing and then they have told us this is what we believe as we see it in the scriptures so that the confession does not have life of its own it's, it's a like a declaration of doctrinal truths mm. 
that people gathered down and said, hey, Father, let's write down this so that people may know what we believe. So that it's not as though Najwa, scripture is going to life. It has life of its own because they are the breathed out words of God. But a confession is a defense of the truth, if you will, that has been written down by men. So that uh, it's not... The confession is only reliable or the you know the the doctrines that have been well articulated there are only so if they are biblical uh, so that in whatever matter we would be agreeing with the people who wrote the confession we are only agreeing insofar as we also believe the same as we see it in in God's word so that really the claim that the confession competes with the Bible is misplaced because the confession itself does not um, it says that the scriptures are the sole authority that's how it begins yeah uh, and because it's it's because the Bible is the only authority uh, uh, therefore uh, nothing else competes with it even even the doctrinal truths that have been written there mm. But then I, I think once someone starts thinking of the confession as an entity of its own, they start thinking that it's competing with the Bible. Mm. But the confession is when we do that, uh, that becomes our confession. Mm. So that it's only it's only alive, if you will, if it adheres to what the Bible says. Um, yeah. I also see a danger in it in that uh, depending on the interpretation that you give or the confession that you come up with, mm. in one way or the other, it will be dangerous because most of the things, whether in ordinances, the church government mm. is based upon what you believe mm. what you confess mm. so that means you do it wrong mm. basically everything about the church is wrong mm. yeah you're right mm. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just wondering um, if how do you let's look at ourselves here that we are people from various backgrounds uh, different spectrums of life how do you get people to believe in the same thing isn't it mm -hmm. like you, you must have a common document which which clarifies it and defines the truths of god word so that this is what it on the same page so that if you don't have it i can define who god is in my own way someone else can define it in his own way isn't it so you must have a common document which Unites the you all as a church, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very the confession. Then is very important. Um, mm. yeah, I, I'm thinking also experientially for me. Mm. I 
see the blessing in it in that it makes us intentionally think mm. about what we do mm. and why we do it mm. um, how we think about everything it, it makes someone be intentionally there mm. and process it mm. um, because I mean in the churches we were before in we would sing we would pray we, we would have pastors we would do all these things that mm. we think are in the Bible mm. yet we, I, I would find myself doing it for the sake of doing it mm. we don't know why we do it mm. number one we don't know why we do it that way right mm. we don't know why we have our pastors mm. how our pastors how do they come to be Mm. You know such question? Yeah. Because many people just find themselves in a church now we are your pastor. Mm. But we don't know how he was elected. Mm. Maybe the reverend and pastor, so and so, husband and wife, mm. and you don't you, you if you get what I'm trying to say, yes. It it makes you think about every single element mm. and therefore you see why you do what you do. And therefore, then it makes even it makes everything more um, serene in the sense that you know what you're doing. When you sing, yeah. you know why you're singing. Yeah. When you pray, mm. when you you know, when you do a public prayer mm. in front of people, mm. you know why you're doing. It. Mm. Um, why is our services organized like this? Mm. It, it makes people very intentional about mm. how they do. And I think I, I really appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. That's true. It's very hard to come across church groups that have a confession of faith, but they do not adhere to it if they know what it means. Mm. The trend of churches having statements of faith but not believing them is a fairly recent trend. It's a fairly, fairly recent thing. Churches before would have a confession of faith and they would be taught what that confession of faith uh, teaches uh, or what they believe depending on that confession of faith and they would, they would live like that. Um, it's only recently that you have Churches that are not confessional, or if they have confessions, they don't even know what a confession is. Um, others have just statements of faith, but people don't even know. Uh, they don't care, even alone knowing what that statement of faith is. Um, uh, so that the bulk of church history defense local churches having confessions and creeds and catechisms and all that mm. as opposed to today it, we, we only have a few years uh, in, in the late uh, late 20th century and now we're in the early earliest part of the, the 21st century that you have churches not believing the confessions they hold to or the statements of faith that they have subs subscribed to or written that they believe. A huge part of church history defends 
churches having confessions and believing what those confessions mm. have have written down. True. I wanted to ask a question. Uh, maybe you can expound on this aspect of non-denominationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe you can expound on that and, and what that means. Maybe say something about mm-hmm. it. Um, we know that there are some biblical churches that have described themselves mm-hmm. as non-denominational. Like Grace Community like Church. Grace Community yeah. Church. Yeah. If you can expound on that, and mm. why would they choose to say they are? Mm. They are like that. Um, not having a confession is not saying that you are unbiblical, isn't it? Uh, but what you're saying is that the confession does help to clarify the truth, and the confession is more safe because it has been tested from 1689 until now how many years are those um so many years is it three more than 300 years isn't it so if this document has stand the test of time and uh, as you can see it and we can compare it with the word of god you can see that it does indeed reflect what the word of god says and we know that there have been believers who have continued to use it for more than 300 years, then it's safe for us to subscribe to it so that we can, first of all, refute error, so that we can uh, define what the truth is. The, the problem with evangelical churches which do not have a confession is what happens when... Um, when a false teacher arises amongst you and redefines what the Bible says. Like Arias, isn't it? Who says, uh, I believe that Jesus Christ is holy man and is God, but he's not God to me as, as you define God, isn't it? And, and uh, there's no way you can nail him down. You take him to scripture and they're just evasive, just like the Jehovah Witness, isn't it? Like, like, where will you take them? <laughs> Isn't it? Because someone can interpret scripture in their own way. And so you need a document which, redefine, which defines the truth that is there in the scripture. And you can say as a, as a church, this is what we believe in. As elders, this is what we believe in. Isn't it? So as an elder, you cannot come and interpret the word of God your own way. Isn't it? If it's not consistent with the word of God and it can show you that it's not consistent with the confession which reflects the word of God, then, isn't it? So, so you have a church like, the, uh, like a church which does not have a confession. What happens if the pastor dies? Um, um, th- that congregation is gone. Another congregation comes and they, they interpret the word of God in their own way. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this is not to say that the confession is, is a sure bet because people can still have a confession, as you're saying. People can have a confession and, and still not believe in it and still not practice it. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's much safer when you have a people who have a confession. If they're not practicing it, at least you can hold them accountable. You can tell them, uh, as a church, this is what our confession says. 
isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure that that's helpful. So, mm. like, I'm sure maybe MacArthur's churches, mm. church, mm. They, they do have, I am assuming, a confession. Yes, a statement of, or a statement of faith. faith. Yeah. Mm. So my question was in the essence of, of that term, mm. non-denomination. Okay. Uh, is there a particular reason that would make people mm. say that they don't subscribe to any de denomination, for example? Mm. Um, and, and just the essence of, of that word. Mm. Um, is, is you saying you are anonymous, whatever, mm. that word? Mm. As if, if, if Makata was in Kenya, Mangesema, mm. you denomination if you get what I'm saying. Okay. Like someone in Kenya founded Deliverance Church of Kenya mm. and he becomes a, a mm. denomination. Yeah. So so then why is he why why is it that there is this term? Mm. So so you find what people so, so you yeah. find you yeah. find that um some people don't agree with the old Baptistic tenets mm. of of belief. So for instance, they may agree with everything, but maybe they don't agree with church government. They don't believe that every church should be independent. I'm not saying the the church there, but I'm just, I'm saying some churches, isn't it? They they may agree that uh, only believers should be baptized. They may agree that uh, uh, that uh, there should be separation between the state and the church, but they may not agree on church government, isn't it? They may not agree that every church is independent under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They may believe in the, they may even believe that in the in the local church there should be hierarchy. Maybe maybe there isn't hierarchy among local churches. Sorry, um, is among local churches. Sorry, between local churches, so that there's like a bishop and a, and and a, and and a, and and. and someone who is in charge of many churches but they may believe that even in a local church there should be hierarchy among pastors so that there's like there's a senior pastor mm -hmm. but, but that's not what the confession says isn't it so, so so they may not agree to some truths that are there in the confession that's why people may choose not to subscribe to it that would be my thinking i'm not sure but non-denominationalism is fairly recent concept. If we take denominationalism to mean you subscribe to certain beliefs. So you find most of the Puritans were congregationalists, so they would be categorized as their denomination neo. You find uh, uh, the Presbyterians have their own uh, in fact, their name is hugely dependent upon their church government mm. uh, because that's where we get the, the word presbyter. Um, and so they have their own, you could call that their denomination. You have Baptists, you could call that their denomination, and so on and so forth. So that the people of God, if we would say they have had denominations, has hugely been because they subscribe to creeds, confessions, and catechisms. They, they believe something, and they have written it down. So that the idea that we are non-denominational is, is not the practice of the church since its inception. 
churches have always stated what they believe and believers have gathered around that and they have said this is it not believe this is it not believe and, 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 and so on and so forth so that uh, people who say that they are non-denominational need to clarify what they mean mostly they mean that they do not have any they are not of any denomination that's what it simply means they are not see our deliverance see your pepper see your kg see your they are not of those denominations that we know um and for me that's a dangerous thing because what we want to ask them is what do you believe if there is something you believe you are not non denominational you have your own denomination you are masquerading as though you don't have a denomination and that's a dangerous thing it's better for you to say this is what we believe now there's a thing in Nepal which i've forgotten but i've not remembered cults want to hide what they believe utapata sds wakiambiwatu sana loudly ukatakuja church sato hotel heaven but that's what they believe and but they will not cults want to hide hide what they believe utapata mamomons wakiweka crusade kunje wakisema one day all of you will become gods they want to do that because they know once they once you start poking into what they believe then their denomination or whatever they believe crumbles auto don our jamani quacks so that non denominationalism is a dangerous thing so that if grace community church says that they are non denomination they might be saying that in the context of uh we are not presbyterians or baptists or uh congregationalists we we are not charismatics but we have there there are things that we believe that we have written down mm-hmm. but non denominationalism here in kenya is a completely different animal what on what on many there are things they believe mm-hmm. but they don't want to be held accountable when you pass them they don't want to be asked but you believe this you believe this because you you see what a confession of faith does it says this these are the things that we believe so that if you do things that are different mtu anaweza kuita finger at you and be but the confession says you believe this so what non denominationalism does is it strips off or it it frees the non denominationalist of responsibility and accountability which is a dangerous thing yeah because they they want to interpret the bible the way they want to interpret it and say that that's their interpretation so utapata mostly non denominationalism here in kenya is among parachurch movements so utapata parachurches ndio wanasema ngasini non denominational because they don't want to be associated with baptists presbyterians uh, uh, pentecostals uh, and then were branded nimna believe hivi and then were limited they want to be free 
to some extent mm. which is not a good thing it's a bad thing you want people to, it's it's a thing that can cause all sorts of beliefs to be mashed up in there mm. and it becomes even worse than a cult mm-hmm. because in a kwasasa something else mm. so so even though they say they are non-denominational the truth of the matter is they are not mm. there are things that they believe and when there are things that they believe they become a denomination which they don't want to give a name ndio wasikue branded or wasinyume opportunities or such things so utapata now their tactic has worked because people like us who are baptists we can't go to kemu but focus can go to kemu sendio because focus is non denominational um presbyterians i mean presbyterians can't go to methodist and so on and so forth you get my point um and and that tactic of non-denominationalism has worked because even schools don't quite think about it because people who are non-denominational i mean they are at best ignorant and at worst lying because there are things in wanaamini na hizo vitu zenye wanaamini maybe wameziandika mahali maybe wako na website ama wako na documents and so on and so forth yeah I also think that um um as as Paul tells um Timothy to hold fast to sound doctrine and um and uh, what he has been taught to hand it over to faithful men isn't it to entrust it to faithful men like what Timothy amefunzwa yes he's been taught the word of God and he's been taught the truth of the word of God and he's supposed to hand it over to the next generation isn't it so so if 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 you don't have a confession what will you hand over to the next generation even if you say the next generation we're giving you the bible but they they can reinterpret the truth isn't it in their own way so when you have the confession we say the next generation as a church we are baptist baptistic in our beliefs and this is the confession this is what defines the word of god and clarifies it and refutes error isn't it mm-hmm. so it's it's more clear so that we can know the future of the church based on what they they hold on to isn't it mm-hmm. i think also there's a sense in which um, there are people who think that the confession is old they think 1689 we don't think it applies to us isn't it mm-hmm. and uh, there's a sense they are saying that the word of god doesn't apply so they ta- they want to tailor the word of god to fit the culture what's that's what essentially they're saying um but let me say that the confession as much as it's it's not perfect it's not sufficient as the word of god but there are important things that are addressed isn't it the important things issues of salvation is issue of christ god doctrine of god all those things are very important isn't it so there are things that are not there but they are not you can't say that they are, they are majorly important no they are, the, the major things are there in the confession so when people say it's old i, I think they're just they're just looking to 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 suit the word of god to fit with the culture and when you do that you even use the bible to do that isn't it yeah you compromise with the bible yeah i'm not sure about this but i suspect that one of the reasons why the confessions and creeds and catechisms were being written 
was because the the Roman Catholic movement was claiming that the church is the only one that knows how to interpret the Bible. Mm. And uh, they and when they say the church they don't mean everyone, they mean the clergy, the priests. Um <clears throat> and, and so the the word of God was not it, it was not everywhere with everyone. Um so that one of the reasons why they were withholding it was because they they assumed and rightly so i mean they they concluded which is true that if people are given the word of god they will come up with their own interpretations of it therefore we must safeguard the way the bible is interpreted now that might seem to be a good thing but then you know that human beings are human beings we have sinful hearts and we tend to do things for our own advantage and so so one of the ways of um, so saying that i suspect that one of the ways of safeguarding the truth of god's word from being uh datified or misrepresented mm was by coming up with creeds and confessions. Mm. So that when the word of God now, when William Tyndale stru- struggles to write the Bible mm. uh, so that the common man may have it, now the creeds and confessions come in so that that common man mm. may not think that he can interpret the Bible the way he pleases. Mm. So that an Isaac were handed down the truth of God's word together with the word of God itself. Mm. So that an Ajua, the saints of old have believed mm. about this particular matter. Of course, creeds and confessions have also been written because of the cults and the heretic, uh, the, the heretics and the, the, the errors that have, you know, risen up as church history has unfolded. So, areas with his Arianism, yeah, Christ is 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 just a human being mm. and uh, denying the deity of god mm. the confessions now and creeds come to clarify and and say no no we believe that christ is both god and man and this is how we look this is what the bible says and so on and so forth mm. yeah yeah I'd like to close with a word of prayer let's pray father we thank you for the interactions we've had this evening. Thank you for your word, which is true, unchanging, and eternal. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have saved us, that it has made us wise to salvation, and that uh, by it we are able to grow in our faith, we are able to refute error, we are able to stand firm. Help us, Lord, as your people, that uh, as we interact over these matters, Uh, that uh, our souls may be greatly enriched with the truth of your word. Do strengthen your people as well, that we may have convictions of your word and that we may know what we subscribe to. Help us, Lord, and uh, help us as we begin this this confession that your word may come alive to us, that we may continually be pointed to the truth of your word. Uh, We praise your name, Lord, and we thank you for this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.